Hi, my name is Nudie, and you're listening to Reading Books with Nudie. We are reading A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett right now. In this episode, we are going to hear the second part of the fifth chapter of our book. We will also hear a short jingle or rhyme at the end of the chapter. This rhyme comes from a different book called The Jingle Book by Carolyn Wells. If you're new here, I recommend you go back and listen to previous episodes, or you might not understand the story. Please, if you have the time, leave a rating or review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, feel free to write them in the review as well. It helps the podcast be more publicized, and every little thing helps. Thank you! Do you remember where we left off? Yes. Becky had been listening to the story in the schoolroom, remember? And all the girls had been listening to Sarah. And then Lavinia realized that Becky was listening. Remember that Becky was this poor servant girl, barely 14? She had been forced to work at the school, remember? And also, she had just arrived to Miss Sarah's room. Let's see what happens. On this afternoon, when she had sat down, the sensation of relief to her short, aching legs had been so wonderful and delightful that it had seemed to soothe her whole body. The glow of warmth and comfort from the fire had crept over her like a spell until, as she looked at the red coals, a tired, slow smile stole over her smudged face. Her head nodded forward without her being aware of it. Her eyes drooped and she fell fast asleep. She had really been only about 10 minutes in the room when Sarah entered, but she was in as deep a sleep as if she had been, like the Sleeping Beauty, slumbering for a hundred years. But she did not look, poor Becky, like a Sleeping Beauty at all. She looked only like an ugly, stunted, worn-out, little scullery drudge. Sarah seemed as much unlike her as if she were a creature from another world. On this particular afternoon, she had been taking her dance lesson, and the afternoon on which the dancing master appeared was rather a grand occasion at the seminary, though it occurred every week. The pupils were attired in their prettiest frocks, and as Sarah danced particularly well, she was very much brought forward, and Mariette was requested to make her as diaphanous and fine as possible. Today, a frock the color of a rose had been put on her, and Mariette had bought some real buds and made her a wreath to wear on her black locks. She had been learning a new delightful dance in which she had been skimming and flying about the room, like a large rose-colored butterfly, and the enjoyment and exercise had brought a brilliant happy glow into her face. When she entered the room, she floated in with a few of the butterfly steps, and there sat Becky, nodding her cap sideways off her head. Oh! cried Sarah softly when she saw her. That poor thing! It did not occur to her to feel cross at finding her pet chair occupied by the small, dingy figure. To tell the truth, she was quite glad to find it there. When the ill-used heroine of her story wakened, she could talk to her. She crept toward her quietly and stood looking at her. Becky gave a little snore. I wish she'd waken herself, Sarah said. I don't like to waken her. But Miss Minchin would be cross if she found out. I'll just wait a few minutes. She took a seat on the edge of the table and sat swinging her slim, rose-colored legs and wondering what it would be best to do. 
Miss Amelia might come in at any moment, and if she did, Becky would be sure to be scolded. But she is so tired, she thought. She is so tired. A piece of flaming coal ended her perplexity for her that very moment. It broke off from a large lump and fell onto the fender. Becky started and opened her eyes with a frightened gasp. She did not know she had fallen asleep. She had only sat down for one moment and felt the beautiful glow. And here she found herself staring in wild alarm at the wonderful pupil who sat perched quite near her like a rose-colored fairy with interested eyes. She sprang up and clutched at her cap. She felt it dangling over her ear and tried wildly to put it straight. Oh, she had gotten herself into trouble now with a vengeance to have impudently fallen asleep on such a young lady's chair. She would be turned out of doors without wages. She made a sound like a big breathless sob. Oh, miss, oh, miss, she stuttered. I asked your pardon, miss, oh, I do, miss. Sarah jumped down and came quite close to her. Don't be frightened, she said, quite as if she had been speaking to a little girl like herself. It doesn't matter the least bit. I didn't go to do it, miss, protested Becky. It was the warm fire, and me being so tired, it, it wasn't impertinence. Sarah broke into a friendly little laugh and put her hand on her shoulder. You were tired, she said. You could not help it. You are not really awake yet. How poor Becky stared at her. In fact, she had never heard such a nice friendly sound in anyone's voice before. She was used to being ordered about and scolded and having her ears boxed, and this one, in her rose-colored dancing afternoon splendor, was looking at her as if she were not a culprit at all, as if she had a right to be tired, even to fall asleep. The touch of the soft, slim little paw on her shoulder was the most amazing thing she had ever known. Ain't... Ain't you angry, miss? she gasped. Ain't you going to tell the missus? No! cried out Sarah. Of course I'm not. The woeful fright in the coal-smutted face made her suddenly so sorry that she could scarcely bear it. One of her queer thoughts rushed into her mind. She put her hand against Becky's cheek. Why, she said, we are just the same. I am only a little girl like you. It's just an accident that I am not you and you are not me. Becky did not understand in the least. Her mind could not grasp such amazing thoughts, and an accident meant to her a calamity in which someone was run over or fell off a ladder and was carried to the orspital. An uh, accident, miss? she fluttered respectfully. Is it? Yes, Sarah answered, and she looked at her dreamily for a moment. But the next she spoke in a different tone. She realized that Becky did not know what she meant. Have you done your work? she asked. Dare you stay here a few minutes? Becky lost her breath again. Here? Miss? Me? Sarah ran to the door, opened it, and looked out and listened. No one is anywhere about, she explained. If your bedrooms are finished, perhaps you might stay a tiny while. I thought perhaps you might like a piece of cake. The next ten minutes seemed to Becky like a sort of delirium. Sarah opened a cupboard and gave her thick slice of cake. She seemed to rejoice when it was devoured in hungry bites. She talked and asked questions and laughed until Becky's fears actually began to calm themselves, 
and she once or twice gathered boldness enough to ask a question or so herself, daring as she felt it to be. Is that, she ventured, looking longingly at the rose-colored frock, and she asked it almost in a whisper, is that there your best? It is one of my dancing frocks, answered Sarah. I like it, don't you? For a few seconds, Becky was almost speechless with admiration. Then she said in an odd voice, Ought I see a princess? I was standing in the street with a crowd outside Covent Garden, watching the swells go into the opera. And there was one everyone stared at most. They says to each other, That's the princess. She was a grown-up young lady, but she was pink all over, gowned in cloak and flowers and all. I called her to mind the minute I see you, sitting there on the table, miss. You looked like her. I've often thought, said Sarah in her reflecting voice, that I should like to be a princess. I wonder what it feels like. I believe I will begin pretending I am one. Becky stared at her admiringly and, as before, did not understand her in the least. She watched her with a sort of adoration. Very soon, Sarah left her reflections and turned to her with a new question. Becky, she said, weren't you listening to that story? Yes, miss, confessed Becky, a little alarmed again. I knowed I had an order, but it was that beautiful, I... I couldn't help it. I liked you to listen to it, said Sarah. If you tell stories, you'll like nothing so much as to tell them to people who want to listen. I don't know why it is. Would you like to hear the rest? Becky lost her breath again. Me hear it? she cried. Like as if I was a pupil, miss. All about the prince and the little white mer-babies swimming about laughing with stars in their hair? Sarah nodded. You haven't time to hear it now, I'm afraid, she said. But if you will tell me just what time you come to do my rooms, I will try to be here and tell you a bit of it every day until it is finished. It's a lovely long one, and I'm always putting new bits to it. Then, breathed Becky devoutly, I wouldn't mind how heavy the coal boxes was or what the cook done to me if, if I might have that to think of. You may, said Sarah. I'll tell it all to you. When Becky went downstairs, she was not the same Becky who had staggered up, loaded down by the weight of the coal scuttle. She had an extra piece of cake in her pocket, and she had been fed and warmed, but not only by the cake and fire. Something else had warmed and fed her, and the something else was Sarah. When she was gone, Sarah sat on her favorite perch on the end of her table. Her feet were on a chair, her elbows on her knees, and her chin in her hands. If I was a princess, a real princess, she murmured, I could scatter largest to the populace. But even if I am only a pretend princess, I can invent little things to do for people. Things like this. She was just as happy as if it was largest. I'll pretend that to do things people like is scattering largest. I've scattered largest. Let's go for the jingle, shall we? Okay, you heard it. This jingle is called An Intercepted Valentine. Little Bo Peep, will you be mine? I want you for my valentine. You are my choice of all the girls. 
with your blushing cheeks and your fluttering curls, with your ribbons gay and your kirtle neat, none other is so fair and sweet. Little Bo Peep, let's run away and marry each other on Midsummer Day. And ever to you I'll be fond and true, your faithful Valentine, Little Boy Blue. That was a short jingle, wasn't it? What did you think of it? I should have saved it for the Valentine's, don't you think? I hope you liked it. If you want, answer the questions I just asked you with the help of an adult if you need it, and send them to me in an email to readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. That's readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. Or basically just the podcast title altogether and then at gmail.com. If you have any questions or just want to say hi, you can also send me an email. And that's the end of our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Come back next Monday for a new episode when we will continue our story. Have a great weekend. Big thanks to Epidemic Sound for the songs and sound you heard today and to Project Gutenberg for the books we read. We'll be right back.